0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 41 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AW Rampage Late Night Razor. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 126 of rust Topia draws to a close. Happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AW winds down, and we are one day away from New Japan and AW Presents Forbidden Door going down live from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. I will have the complete card ready for you shortly, but let's take a deep dive into all things Friday Night Smackdown on Fox going down live for the Moody Center in Austin, Texas. And this was a Vince McMahon free show, no cameo appearances from the former chairman of the board as we kick things off with Drew McIntyre talking about how he plans to win money in the bank because apparently when you work your way from the bottom to the top, people still jump the line ahead of you such as Brock Lesnar who will earn another shot at Roman Reigns' dispute Universal Championship at SummerSlam in a last man standing match next month in Nashville, Tennessee. But Drew has a backup plan. He vows to climb the ladder, grab the briefcase, and cash in that contract when that match is over come summer slam saturday then we have sheamus coming out to tout his own success as a former mr money in the bank winner when he cashed in the contract to Roman reigns in late 2015 and i gotta be honest that was probably one of the more puzzling booking decisions wwe has made as sheamus was an absolute ice cold champion the reign did not last very long thankfully But it was a rough go and his career was hanging on by a thread. When League of Nations blew up post-WrestleMania, he was just meandering and doing absolutely nothing until he had that best seven series against Cesaro and they became tag team champions in the winter of 2016. That was Sheamus' saving grace. He became a great tag team specialist with Cesaro as a from the bar. And ever since then, Sheamus has been revitalized as a performer. And he continues to put on bangers to this day. His match against Drew McIntyre a few weeks ago is a prime example of that. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that 2015 was a glowing year for Sheamus because it was not. And then Sheamus threw shade to McIntyre for noting that The Miz cashed in his money in the bank briefcase on Drew McIntyre ahead of WrestleMania last year in Tampa. Then Bobby beats The Miz a couple of weeks later on Monday Night Raw to win the WWE Championship because remember Bobby beat up Drew McIntyre which allowed The Miz to get the win ASAP at the conclusion of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view in February 2021 and that sets up McIntyre versus Lashley at WrestleMania. McIntyre did not win and he's been in chase mode ever since working his way down the ladder back up and hopefully is going to climb his way to that money in the bank briefcase next Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. And before McIntyre and Seamus could continue their argument, Paul Heyman comes out to say that I know what you two are trying to do. If you win the Money in the Bank briefcase, you're going to cash in on either Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar when they're beat down and absolutely worn out from their last man standing match. What kind of unfair advantage is that? That both of you just coast your way to Money in the Bank without earning your shots. So Adam Pearce, after some influence from Paul Heyman has noted that maybe he was a little bit hasty in putting McIntyre and Sheamus into the Money in the Bank ladder match. That decision has been overturned, but there is still a path forward if Sheamus and McIntyre can put aside their differences tonight and team up against the undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions, The Usos. You beat them, you're in Money in the Bank, you lose, you're both out. And Paul smiles at this announcement as the Usos come out to wrap up the opening segment. And I thought this was a fine way to open the show. At first, I was afraid that Paul was going to say no cash-ins allowed post SummerSlam. That would have sucked, put some kind of disclaimer on a cash-in. But he wanted to make it harder for Sheamus and McIntyre to qualify for the Money in the Bank ladder match by working together to beat the reigning, defending, undisputed tag team champs. And that makes sense from a booking standpoint. And that sets up the main event for later in the show, which should be very good if all things go according to plan. Next up is Shisuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. And these two never miss. From their TakeOver Dallas match six years ago to last night, they always deliver the goods. They always give you something different via their matches. And last night was no exception, as Nakamura was quick with the strikes and kicks early on by delivering that sliding German suplex underneath the ropes for a close near-fallen fall Sami Zayn. Sami responds by delivering an exploitive suplex to Shisuke Nakamura against the barricade. Shin is able to break the 10-count by getting back in the ring at the count of nine and he goes after Sami Zayn once again until he is tossed over the ropes by Sami as we go to a commercial break. We come back and Sami's on offense but he gets dropped with a kick by Nakamura. Nakamura goes for a springboard but Sami Zayn catches him with a Mishinuka driver out of nowhere for a very close near fall. Sammy is going to try to win the match by using the ropes for leverage. The referee catches his feet on the ropes. He calls out Sammy Ford. Sammy argues with the referee, and Nakamura recovers the liver, a middle rope and knee strike to the back of Sammy's head for a very close near fall. Sammy is going to duck The Kinshasa, he goes on the outside and Nakamura wipes him out with a Kinshasa and Sami Zayn is dead weight on the floor and Nakamura simply has to go back in the ring, beat the 10 count, get the win that way. But oh no, he's going to try to pick up Sami Zayn. He gets him back in the ring and he wastes too much time as Sami recovers and he absolutely blitzes Nakamura with a halluva kick in the corner for the win. The camera work, the execution of the Huluva kick was fantastic. Sammy moves on to the Money in the Bank ladder match and his bloodline allegiances would be tested as he could win the whole damn thing and cash in on Roman Reigns. He vowed that he won't do that, but he did promise he would cash in on Brock Lesnar as they have a little bit of history dating back to last year when Brock basically forced Sammy to face Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship on the spot on a Friday night smackdown. And Sammy got his ass beat from the opening bell. And Paul Heyman was not pleased at Sammy's suggestion that he would cash in on Brock Lesnar. But it just keeps this bloodline Sammy Zayn storyline going, which I love. Because one day, very soon, Sammy will be the sacrificial lamb in this story that should build him up to be the ultimate babyface at the end of the day. Next up is a dance-off between The New Day's Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods versus Shanky and Jinder Mahal because rematches suck. Xavier Woods is not wrong in that regard and Shanky is going to shove Mahal aside and he's going to get down and boogie with The New Day as Xavier Woods plays the trombone. And then we hear a different horn repeatedly that sounds awfully familiar. It sounds like the Viking Raiders horn and you hear it once, you hear it twice, you hear it three times. You see the graphics where the Viking Raiders appear on the big screen. And they appear from behind and they attack Shanky and the New Day. They beat the New Day's ass. It is a dominant beatdown by the Viking Raiders who are rocking darker face paint to signora Hill turn. And I'm here for this. They needed a different edge to them because they've been presented as jokey Viking Raiders for far too long. I'm not a fan of the gimmick because they were better as war Raiders But if they can bring this aggression on a regular basis and drop the Vikings lingo from their promos, they could be a viable threat in the SmackDown tag team division. Their talent is never a question mark. It's simply their presentation that has missed on the main roster over the last three or so years. And I'm hoping that the Viking Raiders can be a viable player on this show. They have the talent. They just need an opportunity to shine without the Viking shtick holding them back in the new day, needed this new direction after feuding with Seamus Butch and Rich Holland, for the last three or four months. That definitely dragged a bit down this direction to Drew McIntyre was added to the mixer who's hoping that the New Day and Viking Raiders bring something fresh to the table in the months to come to make this feud stand out in the best possible way. Next up is Sonya Deville versus Lacey Evans and Raquel Rodriguez. And she had some backup in the form of Xia Li and Shayna Baszler, but it was not enough as Lacey Evans and Raquel Rodriguez overwhelmed her in the end, when Lacey knocked her out with the woman's right for the win. After the match is over, Xia Lee and Sonya Deville go after Raquel Rodriguez, and that backfires when Raquel picks up Xia Lee for a scoop slam. She shakes off Sonya Deville and fins off Shayna Baszler alongside Lacey Evans to wrap up this segment as Lacey and Raquel are already in the Money in the Bank ladder match on the women's side heading into next week's show in Las Vegas, Nevada. So this was just fine for what it was. It was a way to give Raquel and Lacey a win heading into the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match next weekend and Sonya is kind of coasting on SmackDown right now. No true sense of direction. Hopefully she finds it soon because she was a player a couple of years ago during the Empty Arena era and she has what it takes to be a star if given her opportunity, of course. Next up is Natalia cosplaying as Ronda Rousey. From the gear to the makeup to the hair, the baby stroller. It was a nice parody of the SmackDown women's champion. And I gotta say that the outfit exposed how short Natalia is. My goodness, you look like a compact Ronda last night. But I digress. But she could a solid promo acting as if she's Ronda Rousey saying, that the sharpshooter is superior to an arm bar and she's gonna make her tap out at Money in the Bank, win the SmackDown Women's Championship, and then Rhonda will go back to being a mom and pushing the stroller, cause that's what she does best. And Rhonda Rousey comes out there a short time later and she absolutely rips natalia apart on the mic saying that she could not recognize natalia because her rack wasn't out and it's not on her to attain these unrealistic standards of beauty like natalia does and the fans ooh and all ah at that and you do hear a couple of fans chanting you suck Rhonda," so they did not like that line very much she calls that natalia leaning into her heart legacy a wee bit too much for clout and then she tells natalia the only way you will ever be the main attraction is dressing like me and they get into a fight as Rhonda goes for her jacket and Natalia hits Rhonda with the stroller and Rhonda pops back up to wrap up the segment. And for the content given, it was fine. But I found it very funny that Rhonda was coming for Natalia's lack of charisma when Rhonda is not exactly charismatic on the mic herself. She's charismatic in the ring when need be. But mic work is very so-so. The shots landed, but I have to say something about the unattainable standard of beauty line that Ronda used on Natalia. We know that this is a very cosmetic business and you have to conform to fit a certain standard that WWE is looking for. That does not apply to everyone, but we know the pressures of trying to look younger and what it means to keep your spot when younger ladies are coming for you as you age out, so to speak. That's just the thought process that many women go through in WWE. And I've seen the changes from several ladies on the main roster. It's undeniable. And it's not my place to judge because beauty is beauty to me. And I will say on a live mic that some people that have undergone some cosmetic changes in WWE did not need to do so. But that is my opinion. I still think they're beautiful nonetheless, but we know the game. And if they're happy with how they look and who they are, who am I to judge? Who are any of us to judge, really? And that goes for Ronda Rousey as well. I thought that was a cheap shot that was unnecessary, and we could have cut that from the promo. Because when she came back at the Warrior Rumble, she was covered up. She just had a baby four months ago, and there is a standard that she lives up to in terms of being in shape, and she got back in shape just in time for WrestleMania season. So who is she to call out other people for what they do with their bodies? You want to be a natural beauty? Fantastic. Don't judge others for getting a nip tuck. You know, so I just think that I would have cut that line from the promo because it just felt out of place, and sometimes you have to go above that material to get your point across, let this be based on wrestling and who's got the better submission and not so much more on who is the better natural beauty. They ain't cutting it, not in 2022. So the segment was fine, but I would have eliminated that line from Rhonda talking about Natalia's aesthetic, because that was a bridge too far in my eyes. Next up is Gunther versus Ricochet for the Intercontinental Championship, and they got three minutes. And three minutes is too short for two guys that can give you 20. But that's not the story they're telling right now, as this is about Ricochet getting demolished by Gunther. Ricochet has moments here and there, including a jumping knee strike on Gunther for a near fall, but he gets caught with a gnarly shotgun drop kick in the corner and a power bomb by Gunther as Gunther retains. The Intercontinental Championship, a great performance by Gunther as always, and Ricochet was, in this case, the perfect crash test dummy that took bumps like nobody's business. Next up is Shotzi versus Tamina in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Aliyah was supposed to be facing Shotzi, but she's injured right now, according to Pat McAfee. And this match was fine, lacked a lot of heat. Unfortunately, Shotzi was able to hit a set on Tamina and go for her DDT finisher a short time later to advance to the Money in the Bank ladder match. I'm very happy for Shotzi because I think that she can have a breakthrough performance. She has not done anything crazy On the main roster as of yet, we have not seen Wild Child Shotzi in all her glory in about a year since her SmackDown debut. I need Shotzi to be unleashed at I in the bank, do some crazy shit from the ladder safely, of course, and put on a show and possibly get yourself over in the process. Cause she could definitely go if given an opportunity. And now it is time for our main event featuring the undisputed WWE tag team champions, the Usos versus Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. If McIntyre and Sheamus win, they will move on to the men's Money in the Bank Collada match next Saturday in Las Vegas. And this was a really fun main event. We got the Street Profits on commentary, calling the action, Sheamus and McIntyre work well together at first a so Sheamus mocks McIntyre and McIntyre beats a ringside. Sheamus and McIntyre get into it and they're wiped out with a double flip dive on the outside. We go to a commercial break and Jay is working over Sheamus for a bit, but Sheamus is able to break free by avoiding a splash and hitting a knee strike to Jay as he makes the high attack, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre works over both Jimmy and Jay for a bit, but he lands badly into the ring post shoulder first and he is laid out with a double super kick by the Usos. Jimmy goes Goes up top for the frog splash for the win, which is broken up by Sheamus. And from there, McIntyre recovers with double net breakers to Jimmy and Jeruso And a kip up for good measure. Goes for the Claymore, the Uso scurry. And as McIntyre gives chase, Jimmy is going to super kick McIntyre on the floor. And from out of nowhere, we've got Butch and Rich Holland coming out. Butch is trying to get in the ring. Rich Holland holds him back. And that distraction allows Sami Zayn to appear at ringside to deliver a helluva kick to Drew McIntyre. But Angelo Dawkins gets up from commentary and he pounces the shit out of Sami Zayn. We have the Usos and She-Profits get into it. And Drew McIntyre is going to recover and land a flip dive on all four men on the outside. Then he listens a holy shit chant from the crowd. Seamus bro kicks Jey Uso who gives chase. And the finisher comes when Jimmy is going to go after Drew once again with another super kick mid claymore attempt and Drew bounces off those ropes and hits the claymore clean on Jimmy who turns inside out as Drew picks up the win for his team. Drew and Sheamus move on to Money in the Bank next Saturday on Peacock, a fine victory by the makeshift team who used to be besties back in the day up until their rivalry last year. So I thought this was a very nice way to end SmackDown, forwarding several feuds at the same time. We got beef with Sheamus and McIntyre. We got the Usos going off against the Street Profits for the unified tag team titles next Saturday at Money in the Bank as well. So a lot of moving pieces to make sure the card is fleshed out Next Saturday in Sin City. So, all in all, I thought this was a solid episode of SmackDown. New feuds begin and we got the Money in the Bank qualifying matches drawing to a close with a cavalcade of participants on SmackDown next Friday. Not my choice of words. That's purely WWE as we wrap up the road to Money in the Bank in Phoenix, Arizona next Friday night. And with that, let's focus our attention to AEW Rampage going down taped from the UW-Milwaukee Panther Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we kick things off directly in the ring with Ray Phoenix versus on either low. and this match was fantastic. They cannot be a part of the Forbidden Door card for political reasons, due to New Japan's relationship with CMLL, and that becomes messy when CMLL and AAA don't exactly see eye to eye, and you don't want to ruffle feather. So, because of that, we will not have Andrade Penta Ray on this show, unfortunately. But they delivered last night on Rampage. What a match this was! Fast-paced. Ray Phoenix is incredible. In every way. We got the dueling Eddie suplex spot with the swivel of the hips. I loved it with Ray finishing off Andrade with the brain buster. And Ray Phoenix goes up top and it's a double jump flip dive. On Andrade, the height, the elevation, the tuck was fantastic. Ray is a German suplex and a bridge for a new fall as well. But Andrade regains control, belaying at Phoenix on the floor. As we go to a picture-in-picture commercial break, we come back and Andrade is still working over Phoenix in the ropes for a top rope stump for a new fall. Ray catches Andrade with the boot and is a double foot stomp, followed by a cutter, which is blocked by Andrade. And Phoenix goes for a double jump, top rope drop kick. The delay the elevation, the execution, once again, is flawless by Phoenix. He hits a gnarly cutter on Andrade, which drills him in the ring. Very, very close near fall. He goes for a frog splash, but Andrade gets his knees up. And the action continues to pick up as both men exchange strikes in the ring for a bit. Ray goes for the rope rock, but Andrade trips him off the ropes. He goes for the double knees on Ray, but Ray is going to move out the way. As Andrade is going to land knee first into the ring post, which has to hurt like hell because there's no give with that ring post that AEW uses. As Ray goes up top and delivers a double foot stomp to the back of Andrade, as we go to a picture and picture commercial break, we come back from the full screen break and Ray delivers a gorgeous top rope Spanish fly to Andrade for a very close near fall. And that is stopped in part by Jose getting Andrade's leg under the bottom rope. From there, Aubrey is going to check on Phoenix's injured knee. Jose sneaks the iPad to Andrade in order to use it against Phoenix, but Aubrey catches him red-handed, and she throws the iPad on the floor. And from there, Andrade goes after Phoenix's injured knees. Phoenix catches him with a kick that sends Idolo to the floor, and Phoenix follows up with a 2 hero as well. And back in the ring, Jose and Abrahantas gets into it, and with Andrade still on the floor alongside Andrade, Rush comes out and he kicks Phoenix Lou. And back in the ring, Andrade lands the hammerlock DDT for the win. A great match. A shitty finish, but it was already good. Roosh over with the AEW audience the very first time post double to nothing. After the match is over, Roosh and Andrade continue their attack on Ray Phoenix until Pinta DeScudo makes a save with the shovel. And this should set up Andrade and Roosh versus Phoenix and Penta in the not too distant future, preferably on Dynamite, Rampage, Fight Fest, Fight for the Fall, and any show between now and all out works for me as these teams can deliver at the highest level. Next up is Serena Deeb and the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion Mercedes Martinez versus Sierra and Lainey Luck. And this match was a dark special that you can see on YouTube. Absolute domination by Martinez and Deeb as they lock dual submissions on Sierra and Lainey Luck for the win this was fine the dragon sleeper serenity lock combo was pretty nice but we know the long game storyline is deeb versus martinez for the ring of honor women's world championship at the next pay-per-view whenever it takes place and it's fine but on this night when you're hyping up the final show before forbidden door i felt this was a bit out of place but i digress despite the talent's of Martinez and Deeb. Next up is Hook versus OKC from the New Japan LA Dojo and this match was a two minute showcase for Hook. OKC got some chops in but Hook delivered body blows to this dude whooped his ass immediately threw him around with a suplex and the red rum for the submission victory and this was a nice win for Hook but I wanted a bigger test when you're facing someone from the New Japan Dojo. Hopefully we get a bigger opponent down the road and Hook can have a fully realized match from someone that can give him a run for his money in the not-too-distant future. And now it is time for our main event featuring Jeff Cobb from the United Empire versus Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion Cash Wheeler, And I thought this was a very good match. And I hate to say that half of this match took place in picture in picture as Cobb overwhelmed Cash Wheeler early on with a number of suplexes, including a swinging back suplex as both guys brought on the floor during the commercial break. With Cobb whooping that ass accordingly throughout the break, we get back in the ring and Cobb hits a standing moonsault and a long-delayed vertical suplex. And the match was still going on picture in picture until we come back to full screen and Cobb had Wheeler in a body vice Wheeler slips behind Cobb and locks in a sleeper Cobb escapes that and both guys are struggling to get to a backslide Catch himself in the corner deliver body shots to Jeff Cobb clips the knee as well and goes for Pascato on the outside as both men are absolutely delivering at a very high level and we got Willer. Taking some risks, including a sunset flip into a Liger Bomb for a very close near fall. Cobb is going to miss a second standing moonsault. As both guys are countering moves, we got Cobb countering a spinning DDT going for the Dr. Bomb. And Wheeler is going to counter that into a Rana, into a cradle for a near fall. He goes for another spot. But Jeff Cobb catches him with a release German suplex, followed by the Tour of the Islands for the win. A much-needed win for Jeff Cobb ahead of the winner-takes-all match involving himself and the great Okan, the reigning-defeating IWGP World Tag Team Champions against Roppongi Vice and against the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions FTR. And that could be a show show-stiller as well with all the belts up for grabs. And after the match is over, we get a full-on forbidden door melee with United Empire coming out there to go after FTR. We got Orange coming for Will Ospreay as he delivers a back body drop to the IWGP United States champion. At one point, Chris Jericho's on commentary, and he's calling the action, and Eddie Kingston comes out there, and they get into a fight, and Eddie grabs a pin from the table to stab Chris Jericho with it. There's full-on chaos in the ring at ringside, we got Jericho and Kingston still brawling during the last couple of minutes of the show as Kingston begs for another pin to stab Jericho with as the show goes off the air. Absolute mayhem, a nice final chaotic cell for a forbidden door. A very imperfect build due to a lot of injuries from AEW and the injury bug hit. New Japan as well as the she was pulled from the show due to... To any injury. So the card is perfectly imperfect, but it will deliver tomorrow night in Chicago. And the action in the ring should overcompensate for the so-so build on paper, which is all that matters at the end of the day. As I run through the main card for Forbidden Door, I'm gonna skip through the buy-in matches. I'm gonna run through the card going down live on pay-per-view this Sunday. At the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, the lineup is as follows. Chris Jericho, Manura Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara versus Eddie Kingston, Willa Yuta, and Chota Umino. The winning team gets the blood and guts advantage this Wednesday on Dynamite. El Fantasmo, Hikaleu, and the Young Bucks versus Sting. Darby Allen, Shingo Takagi, and Himuro Takahashi. The IWGP US Title will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy. The AEW Women's Title Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. The AEW All Atlantic Title Pac versus Malachi Black versus Miro versus Clark Connors replacing an injured Tomohiro Ishii. Zack Saber Jr. versus a mystery opponent of Bryan Danielson's choosing. FTR versus Rapony Vice versus Jeff Cobb and The Great Khan for the Ring of Honor and IWGP World Tag Team Titles. The IWGP World Heavyweight Championship is up for grabs as Jay White defends its Championship against Kazuchika Okada, Hangman Page, and Adam Cole Bay. And the main event will be Jon Moxley versus Roshi Tanahashi for the interim AEW World Championship. A stacked card should be a special show if it does not drag in terms of time and the crowd can forgive the so-so build that has been beyond AEW and New Japan's control for the most part. Here's hoping that once they work through the kinks, Forbidden Door Part 2 will be a better built show heading into next year. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 41 of the SmackDown Wind Down slash AEW Rampage, Late Night Rager. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Later Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do such Topia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, I Heard Radio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back Tuesday morning with episode number 127 of The Raw Verdict. Recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. Until then, enjoy your Saturday, Sunday, and your manic Monday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.